So uh, we didn't show the mosquitoes, but that last night there was definitely gangs of them going after us. Everybody it was really, really rough. But we had a great time. Thank you guys for letting us go. Um, it was a blessing, especially to my heart, it was a blessing to uh, finally help Holly get back to her family. But, um, but you know, um, in family, there's a wide variety of personalities and beliefs. You guys have that in your family? You get together and you got the, all these different personalities. You got the the, the black sheep, the rebels, and, or the know-it-alls. You got the peacemakers, the givers, the servers, and they just do whatever they can to make everything try to go smooth. And there's just a, and other, many, many other personalities and styles. You know, some of the family members you probably get along with really well, and maybe some of them you don't. And uh, you can get in arguments over religious stuff or political stuff and just get in these arguments or fights with them. But at the end of the day, we're still family. We're still family, even when things we disagree with. And my point isn't so much that we're different. My point is that we're family. And um, we ate together, laughed together, reminisced about past stories together. And uh, it, it, didn't, it did make us miss, think about what we're missing those three years and time not seeing them, but also made us thankful for what we have. You know, there's a saying that people say, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And I just, I just think sometimes in life, we, can, we don't take the time to thank the people that are in our lives right now. And then they're gone one day to heaven. They passed away, and then all the things you wish you would have said to them, you, you can't. You don't get to. And I, I want to just make the point of sometimes we say nice stuff about each other to somebody else. But I think sometimes we just need to say it to the person that you're talking about sometimes. You're praying for somebody. It's good. Pick up the phone. Tell them you're praying for them. Like call Debbie or something you've been praying for, her, just pick up, just take a second, call her and tell her. But uh, I remember uh, the first year after my dad died, it was shortly after I shot my first buck. I was really proud of it. The first thought I had was, oh, man, I got to call dad and tell him. I got my first ever buck. I was so excited, like, oh, yeah, wait, I can't call him. And, you know, family is such a, a blessing. But in life, we, we need to remember and celebrate what we have right now. Like we can focus on who our family is. We can focus on who they are not. And like, if they were more like this, I'd love them. If they're more like that, I'd, I'd be closer to them. I, if they believe like me, thought like me, went to my church, whatever, then maybe I would love them or be around them more. But the point isn't that we're the same. The point is we're family. And in the church too, like we're going to, we're going to have people in our church that believe different, think different, act different, have different opinions about stuff. There was definitely different opinion about COVID stuff there and things I had to bite my tongue on and, and stuff. And someone thought it was God's gift to humanity, the the, um, the vaccination and stuff. And I was like, man, we must be serving a different God or something. <laughs> but anyway, but, any, uh, but I just had to hold my tongue. But but you can focus on the differences. And then the, the more you focus on, the bigger they become. Like It's like all of a sudden I can't love them anymore unless they agree with me or unless they think like me. I can't love them anymore. And the point isn't that. The point is to love them because they're family. You know, we don't have to wait till they change until you love them. I remember with, with my dad, so there, was there was things about my dad I didn't like. Personality stuff, quirks, and I ha we all have them. But it seems like we only like our own, I guess, or we're used to our own. And we tolerate ourselves and our own weirdness. But other people's weirdness, we get more freaked out by it or offended by it or whatever. And I was judging my dad for things in har harsh ways and some stuff. And then one day I was praying, and God's like, I want you to stop judging your dad and just love him right now the way he is. And I was able to do that, praise God, before he passed away. And, you know, 
I don't know why. I, I guess I've had these encounters with God where my life's been radically changed, and I sometimes want to tell people about that. And when I want to tell them about it, sometimes I tell them so passionately, it's like I'm pushing it on them, and they make them feel like uh, they're like it's a project I'm trying to fix or something. And my brother made feel that way. My dad made feel that way. And God said to me one time, just love them. Don't try to change them. Just love them right now. Just if they, if they never change in their whole life, well, just love them right now as they are. And, you know, as I, and I did that. Uh, I, I, and the, these walls started coming down. My dad started to open up to me more. And I just listened. I wouldn't offer my critical correction or whatever I thought he could do different unless he asked me. And I think, you know, it's family. And I just want to encourage us, if you have family in your life today, that you're, you focus too much on how they're not like you. Or they don't agree with you on this or on that. I mean, there was some extreme examples. There was some family there that didn't want to be around us. Some, at least they said, unless we're wearing masks because we weren't vaccinated. Even though we had three negative COVID tests. I'm like, what do you want? Think we're going to give you the boogeyman or what do you? Th like, I don't know. what. But anyway, but some people, they get so into fear of whatever, what could be, that they just shut off themselves. But, you know, I could judge him, hate him, be mad at him for that. Or just like, you know what? What, it, what is it like living in his world? What's it like living in here? Like what he's thinking and going through, the, the fear and that. And uh, if you have people in your family that you just notice their faults, you notice their failures, if they were only more like you, only more like me, then, then they'd be great, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are you here? Is that really the goal, is them to become like us? And then they're going to be all fixed and all better, and then they get all the answers? No. We're all flawed people. We all are flawed in different ways. We all have our own faults and quirks and weirdness. One of the sayings, we said this before, one of the sayings Holly and I say when someone around just acts weird or does something we, we think is weird or gets offended over something small or whatever, we'll just say, well, everybody's weird, including us. And, you know, what offends me won't offend somebody else. What offends you might not offend me and vice versa. But the point is, can we still love them? If they never change, if they never, if your child or your aunt, uncle, cousin, or whatever, if they never change, become the person who you hope or wish they would be, can you love them right now as they are? Or are you holding your love hostage back and saying, I'll only love them if they shift and become like this? And you know what? Jesus never did that. He never did that. He never did it to you. He never did it on this planet to anybody. And I don't think it's godly for us to do it either. Amen. I don't have any of your stories in mind. I'm thinking about me, but it, it's, it's easy to do in life because you get offended or someone gets mad at your dad or mom or whoever didn't treat you right or loved your brother or sister more or whatever. But in this house, I want us to focus on honoring who the person is, not focusing on who they're not. You know, we don't have to wait till somebody dies. You know, someone dies and we don't speak bad of the dead. We don't speak ill of the dead, whatever. And uh, why can't we just do that while they're alive? Why can't we just love them and honor them now while they're still living until then it's too late and then we can't say what we wish we could say? Why do we have to wait till our, our mother has this figured out or our dad has figured out or your mother apologizes or your dad or, or you apologize to make things right when it's in your power to make it right? As long as it goes by you, live at peace with all men. And if they never change, love them anyway. Amen? I'm telling you, it will bring more liberty and freedom in you and it will bring a more close, bonding connection with you and that person. Not everybody's as perfect as we are, amen? <laughs> but you know, it's funny, but somehow deep down, we guess we must think like that. Or else, what standard are we judging these people by?
you know. So um, we're all in transition. We're all on a pathway growing in personal growth and righteousness. But uh, let's have faith and patience when we're, as we're growing. And again, not focus on who they're not, but honor who they are. If you have in elders in our church, deacons, anyone serving in ministry in church, we don't want to focus who they're not or what they're not good at. or We want to honor who they are. It's like the Word of God says, um, know, know no one after the flesh anymore, but know people after the Spirit. So we're supposed to know each other after the gift of the grace of God that's put in the heart of each and every one of you. It doesn't say know them after their flaws, failures, and weaknesses. Everybody can see our flaws and failures and weaknesses. It doesn't take the gift of discernment, and it's not even a gift of discernment. It's a critical spirit that comes from hell. Can I just be honest with you? It's not discerning of you to find my weaknesses and failures or me to find yours. That's observation. How hard does it take? How long does it How long do you have to look? If you really, like Abraham, I think it was Abraham Lincoln said, if you want to see the bad in someone, you'll find it. If you want to see the good in someone, you can find it too. So if we, if we, again, focus on who the person is, not who they're not. Amen? Um, again, family is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us. In Ephesians 4, excuse me, Ephesians 3, 14 to 15, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. Paul tells us here that God is the Father of us all, especially those who believe, of everybody in heaven and on earth. He desires a family, and, he, and uh, we who believe are now his family. Do you know, that's not a theory. That's not a philosophy. That's not a religious thing. That's a fact that if you are in Christ, you are literally the family of God. Not when you die and go to heaven. You are his son, his daughter right now. Right now. And death can't separate you from him. Uh, nothing in, under, in heaven, in hell, or anything in all creation can separate you ever from the love of God. The whole idea of family, it came from him. And the, what the world is trying to do right now, what the devil is trying to do right now, is destroy families. You know why? Because God loves families. He in initiated families. It's, it's his heart. In fact, the word family can be translated fatherhood. And he's after our families, the devil is. But I don't care what he's after. Because you know what? Greater in he who's he is in us than he's in the world. You have the ability to love. You know, you can, you can disconnect the off switch uh, of, your, of your love in your heart. You can just cut the wires, disconnect. I'm not going to ever turn my love off. You can do it if you want to. Whether they spit in your face, nail you to a cross, pierce your side, put a, sp a, a crown in your, on your head, mistreat you, talk bad about you. You don't have to turn your love off unless you choose to. Jesus showed that, amen? You don't have to. You know, when Jesus came to earth, Jews claimed many people to be their fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, David, they had all these people. They had a very godly lineage, a godly heritage they're proud of, as we are too, especially if you have somebody famous in your family line, like, oh, I was related to this guy, related to that guy. And, uh, but the Bible is saying that our family, our lineage really is God is our father. In 2020, I did a DNA test, and I did a, a study of my genealogy, on both sides of the family, and Holly's side of the family, went back as far as I could. And my, Brigio's side, I went back in the 1700s, but on my mom's side, I got back into like the 1400s, and went way back and saw these cool things. But you know what? We, we, we supersede Adam and Eve. Like we are, we are, was born out of the heart of God. We, you, you are, you, God thought about your life 
before he created you. You are not an accident. He said he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Where were you then? Where were you then? You were in the father's heart. And he thought of you, and then he made you, and he formed you in your mother's womb, and he has purpose and reason and destiny for your life, a calling for you guys to do stuff. And he loves you. There's nothing on earth he loves more than people. I'm sure he's happy with the trees and the water, but he loves people. Um, in John, one of the reasons Jesus came was to reveal the Father to us. In John 17, 25, it says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they, and they know that you, are, you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus said here, he made the Father known to them and will continue to make him known to us. And I think it's very interesting in the Bible that Jesus said more than 20 times, he said, talking about God, he called him our Father or your Father, talking to the disciples. Our Father, making, like, we're brothers. We have the same dad, we're brothers. Our Father, your Father, talking about God. And many other times he talked about the Father. He's again and again trying to say, no, your, your father's not Abraham. It's not Isaac. It's not Jacob. It's not King David. Your father is God himself. And the gift of God is everlasting life, but it's everlasting life with the father, with God. So, um, again, Ephesians 3.15, Paul said, the whole family in heaven and earth uh, is named from our father. So, again, the idea of family came from him. The idea of fathers came from him. And we are God's very own family. I used to hear that song growing up, you know, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I used to sing it all the time, and you guys probably all know it. Didn't really think much about it at all, until as I, but as I got older, man, I am glad to be part of God's family. You, like the cool people we get to meet in this world, like you guys, other people, uh, the family members in our own home. The gift of God is family, but the greatest gift and the greatest thing about our genealogy is our lineage comes from God. You are a son or a daughter of God. What greater blessing is that? You think about, different, you saw the pictures of our family reunion and the fireworks and the food and stuff. And that's God's heart for you. To have celebration of these fireworks and food and fellowship because he loves you. Amen. Will you guys stand? That was probably a very basic, simple message today, and I'm glad, but uh, it's just what's in my heart, what I felt to share. But it's profound, and it's, you know, good things happen to those who believe God loves them, that believe that God's good, that believe God's for them, not against them. And I think too many times we put our behavior or our works above the goodness of God. And you only feel worthy enough if your works are meeting this certain standard that you have in your mind. And this standard didn't probably come from the Bible. It probably came from man's expectations or ideas and things. Uh, but ha the reality is, if you could measure up on your own, you wouldn't need Jesus. You wouldn't need a Savior. Again, we all have faults, failures, flaws. But we don't... But, if God can love us and knowing every fault and failure you've ever had or experienced, every thought, everything you did or didn't do, 
if God can love you like that, can't we love the world too? Can't we love the lost? Can't we love those that don't think like us, that want to do what we consider evil things? And not, and not saying that we always agree with them, like just in our own family. I don't agree with some of their stances on some things, and they don't agree with mine. But that doesn't mean I can't love them. And in the world, we can, we can see what things are happening, some things that scare us, some things we don't like, make us uncomfortable, whatever. But at the same time, we can't turn off our, our love switch for the sake of what we feel like is justice when God's ultimate justice is redemption. And if we're so focused on what they're doing wrong that we can't love them, how are we going to win them to Christ? And we could be just like I was with my dad. I was seeing the faults. I was seeing the weaknesses. I was seeing the, the things that he didn't do. That I wish he was more like this guy's dad or this guy's dad or whatever. And what I was doing is I was dishonoring him and dishonoring our connection and making things worse, not better, even though part of my heart was right, but it wasn't all the way right. And again, as I stopped trying to do that, God changed his heart. He changed my heart and made us closer than ever. And I think in the season that we're in, we're going to see, we've already seen some weird things. And we're going to see some more weird things. We're going to. It's not, it's not a prophecy. It's just it's going to happen. But can you guard your heart? And can you still love? The answer is yes. You can. But what are you going to choose to do? You know, our, when things are happening outside of our control, we can get afraid. When we're in fear, we're at our worst. The worst version of us is when we're in fear. The best version of us is when we're loving people. We're loving, serving, giving, and caring. And uh, you might serve somebody food or some kind of love offering something that you might not like. You might not like what they stand for, what they believe, who they are to the core of their being. But guess what? You wouldn't have liked Apostle Paul either before he came to the Apostle Paul. You wouldn't have been inviting him over for dinner. You wouldn't have been breaking bread with him and having communion with him and talking about Jesus unless you just wanted to die. Right? You're not very smart. So... There's evangelists, there's prophets, there's pastors, there's teachers, there's, there's leaders all over the world. These, these, uh, these uh, pearls that, that, that's hidden in the field, the, the Bible talks these prophecies, uh, this treasure that he bought this field and he buried the treasure again. There's these pearls of great price that God has hidden all over the world. And right now, some of them are disguised, and they're covered by dirt or whatever. They're covered in their stuff. But God's going to sovereignly raise them up. But at the same time, he needs his church to be there to love them, to disciple them, train them, coach them, encourage them, and not condemn them, judge them, hate them. Nobody grows in that environment. People grow in the environment of love. It's not, it's not acceptance. It's not saying I accept what they're doing, all this stuff. It's not that. But it's loving them right where they are saying, I'm going to be your friend anyway, and walk together even when you're in difference with each other on some things. That's what Jesus did. Did he go to the prostitutes? Did he go to the sinners? Did he go to the bars and the clubs? I'm not recommending that for most of you. But if God calls you there, and that's your place of ministry, then guess where you need to be? No matter what the church tells you, no matter what religious person tells you, if that's where Jesus calls you to go, like a legit call, not just an excuse call, but a legit call. Guess where you need to be a few nights a week or whatever to meet people. So I just want to pray for you guys. Um, it's sad to say of the church that people have said that they receive more love in bars and clubs than they receive in church. 
they come in there and tell their horrible story about their divorce or about this happened or this affair or whatever, and they don't get condemnation and judgment back. They get a listening ear and, and understanding and, and a hug, maybe a handshake or a free beer or something. To, something. And uh, in the church, they get, now, 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 you should have known better than that. You, you know, and what does that do? Does it really help anybody? Are you here? I hope you hear what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not trying to condemn the church or the world myself. I just. I just want us as a family to love better. Because you know, I, I minister to people in Canada. Even on this trip, they told me some god awful stories, for lack of a better way to say that, horrible things that they've done and happened to them. And you know, and some of it was hard even to hear. But I tried to just focus on. I'm just going to release the love of God to them. I did say I don't agree with this, and I did say, but I said it with a smile and not a hate. I think this would be better. This would probably work better for you. Maybe if you tried it this way or whatever. But the time is coming, guys, and it's time is now for the church to rise up, and it's not with swords and clubs. It's with the love of God. It's time for the true church to stand up and love for real. We'll know we're Christians by our love, not our our names on the door or whatever. We don't need the big name pastor sign out front. We need the church to be the church, the body of Christ, everywhere you go. So God, I'm speaking uh, to the choir here. I'm speaking to me and to them. And we need your help, God. We have a form of love. We love things our own way. We love being comfortable. But that's not the kind of love that you demonstrated in the Bible. Your love was wild and reckless and passionate and you just would go anywhere God told you to go, no matter what anybody thought of you. And I just pray, God, you'd release that to your church, not just us here today, but to the church. This wild, passionate love for people. For people. They're our family. They're our family. Those people that are wounded, hurting, crying, broken, they're our family because you're our father. And I pray, God, right now you give me, you give us divine appointments to talk to people, to listen, and to love. To give them something, to share something with them, to give them a meal or something, Lord. I pray you'd help us to be ambassadors of hope of faith and love, and not be afraid we're going to catch somebody's spiritual cooties. Like, we're so afraid of sin. We're so afraid of... You, Jesus is not afraid of their mess. But love brings you right into that mess. I'm going to say this. If you had a child was in really disarray, really in a rough place, in a place you don't want to go to, a place that makes you uncomfortable, uh, you know, I don't want whatever it is, but it's your child. Would you go there anyway? I sure hope you would. So um, I pray right now, God, that you would release that kind of love into our hearts, that fear would be removed and true love would flow towards your family, the family of God. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys. Glad to be home. And uh, I want to hear some stories uh, soon 
of how you just stepped out of your comfort zone to love somebody. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You guys are dismissed.